Hey everyone, my name is Pastor Dina and thank you so much for joining us for Northeast Christian Church Online Services. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms to keep up to date with all that's going on here in our church. Also, if you would like to rewatch today's sermon, you can look us up on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcast. Well, thank you and enjoy the rest of service. Good morning. I hope that you guys are doing well this morning. A few announcements that didn't make the queue. Um, of course, pray for traveling mercies for everyone who is suffering for Jesus in Texas right now <laughs> at the O'Shell wedding. And next week, we are actually going to be having a reception for them here after the service. So after service, we are going to have a little dessert for you guys. You can't have a reception without any dessert. <laughs> and there's going to be a receiving line, and that'll give you guys the opportunity to say an encouraging word or a prayer or to drop off a card to send some encouragement to them. Also, uh, keep Mike and Alicia DeRosiers in your prayers. Little baby Matthias is here and was born toward the end of the week, and he is doing very, very healthy. Look at that baby. Look at that baby. Oh, my goodness. It is always good to see new baby face. It is always good to smell new baby smell. Now his parents have to deal with the other smells. <laughs> and it was so good that we were able to acknowledge Emily in the service, but I do believe that we have one more person going to school. Is Kayla here this morning? Yes, she is. Kayla, why don't you come up here? Why don't you come up here? Come on, come on. This is a little gift from us in the pastors, a little uh, late night study snacks that you're definitely going to need in college. You don't need to give college students books. They're going to pay for that on their own. They need snacks and coffee. This is what they need. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, your smartphones, tablets, any devices, why don't you turn with me to the book of Romans. We are going to be in chapter 8 this morning, and we're going to go from verses 14 through 17. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you guys a little story that will allow you some context in our message this morning. In the 90s, Disney Channel released a sitcom called Smart Guy, and all the older millennials said, hmm, I feel, it makes me feel nice inside to, to hear those words again. Uh, but it circled the life of one T.J. Henderson, a 10-year-old genius who was placed in high school with his brother, his sister, and their friends as he was coping through life intellectually and practically. And this particular episode that I was watching uh, circled around one Mo Tibbs, one of T.J.'s really good friends. And we're celebrating Mo's 18th birthday. His friends, his family are there, and they're celebrating his uh, coming into manhood. Being in a Hispanic home, just because you're 18 doesn't mean that you're a man. Uh, <laughs> let me just say that right now. But the scene changes, and Mo's parents are in the kitchen cleaning up after the party, and they start having an argument start wanting to tell Mo about a, a secret that they have been keeping from him for a number of years. And Mo walks into the kitchen as his dad exclaims, 
It's time that we tell him that he is adopted. And what once was a jovial, innocent, joyful young man all of a sudden became traumatized and confused about who he was and whose he was. Mo continues through the episode to search for his biological parents, but they do not meet his expectations. He's searching for something that he didn't understand he already had. And after a conversation with TJ's father, he comes to the conclusion that it doesn't matter who gave birth to him, but he understood that the family that chose him was his. And in turn, they loved him unconditionally. He was a Tibbs, and there was no doubt about it. And as I was looking through the passage through Scripture, it reminds me that sometimes we forget our spot in God's family. How do we look in God's eyes? And that is what our text is bringing us today. We are going to start in verse 14, as I said, and we are going to go through verse 17. The Bible says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer and partake in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. The title of my message today is You're Adopted. Pretty appropriate. Now, I want you guys to think with me for a little bit. Let's, let's just go and create a baseline, okay? There are people in this church who have adopted children, and there are missionaries that we support from this church who also participate in finding children and families and putting them together in the home that God has created for them. And we have our own system of adoption here in the States, but that's not God's perspective, amen? So why don't we put away the stigmas? Why don't we put away what we know? And let's hear what the word of God has to say. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me in a word of prayer? Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for what you are going to do in this message. Do what no one else can do, and that is change us by your word. And may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, hands and feet to respond to your message. And we acknowledge you in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Uh, ushers, if you can come forward with an outline, if anybody needs an outline, raise your hands and the ushers will be able to give it to you.
I am very much a children's pastor. I, I participate. I give you guys notes. There will be audience participation just to let you guys know. The big thing that I want you guys to understand from this entire message is that believers are God's heirs through adoption. Believers are God's heir through adoption. The book of Romans is a letter from Paul to the Roman church, a church that he did not found. It was actually founded by Peter. And he writes his intention of this letter in verses 11 and 12 of the first chapter. It says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. For me, the book of Romans is the best book in the Bible. I am extremely biased because it summarizes all of the New Testament and the Gospels, and Paul gives it to the church in 16 chapters. He basically says, hey, me and you have never met before. I've met a couple of your people, and they've been really, really cool. But before I get there, let me just write to you so that you know what I am coming with, so that what message you can give me, I can benefit as well. And in the verses before, Paul says that amazing verse in 8.1, there is now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he talks about life in the spirit versus the death in the flesh and how it becomes a boxing match that we have to wrestle every single day of our lives now that we are Christians. He talks about the resurrection in the spirit and the life that we have through Christ and our obligation not to pursue our sinful nature, but to be a child of God. Why is this important? Well, we need to understand Paul's flow of thought because sometimes people have the tendency to bend Scripture to fit their own agenda. I know that that's not anybody in here, but I'm just letting you know. We need to make sure that Scripture doesn't fit our agenda, but we allow it to change us. There wasn't a big enough amen. I'm going to say that again, okay? We need to stop making Scripture fit our agenda and allow God's Word to change us. Because now that we understand our new life as followers of Jesus Christ, we can praise God for being able to overcome by the Holy Spirit. Believers are God's heir through adoption. But what does that mean? What is the context of adoption? Well, as I see in here, it talks about the peace of adoption. In verses 14 and 15, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you, dece- uh, you received does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear again. How many people are glad that we no longer have to live in fear again? The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and, and daughtership. You know, Paul's a little old. He writes... Right, it's a little different. It says that we are no longer a slave to fear. 
Think about the depiction that Paul is trying to do. He's talking about a slave that is in heavy chains, that has a master who is burdensome. He is depicting Pharaoh as the people of Israel knew him. Pharaoh, the first super villain that you will see in scripture because he was a taskmaster that tried to eliminate God's people before the promise came. But it says that we do not have to worry about that fear, but that we can uh, find grace in God through our adoption as sons and daughters. Adoption is actually a Greco-Roman practice. It was not found in the Hebrew scriptures. And it says that all legal rights of a birth child are given to that adopted son and daughter. What Paul is trying to tell you and me is that under God, he is now our heavenly father. And if that doesn't give you peace, I don't know what will give you peace. The peace of our adoption. We can see through the story of Israel in the book of Leviticus 26.13, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you may no longer be slave to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with your heads held high. And it is the freedom that Christ has set us free that Paul says in the book of Galatians. But I love the words of Jesus when he talks about the yoke of slavery. And uh, Pastor Dick, I'm going to use the King James for you, all right? It says, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many people know that when we say yes to Jesus Christ, this world or this, this, this weight that we have on our shoulders, we do not have it anymore. Jesus is right next to us, carrying it with us, and we can be able to walk in his peace and in his strength from now on. Man, some of you guys are not awake this morning. We have the peace of God that not only do we not have to worry about our anxiety, we do not have to worry about our depression, we do not have to worry about our medical bills, we do not have to worry about our finances, because the God on high who is on the mountain has come to us, and we have his peace now in this place. We have the peace that comes with adoption. Another thing I see is the privileges of our adoption. It says in 15 through 17, by him, the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. The privileges of our adoption allow us to say, Abba, Father. Now, what Pastor Paul usually says is that we don't go back to the Greek unless it is something that is important. So I want you guys to understand this. Abba, Pater, or Abba, Father, is only mentioned three times in the New Testament, twice by Paul and one by Jesus. In the book of Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, Father, 
Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. When we think of Abba, Father, sometimes we don't understand the meaning of it, but for a Greek-speaking Jew, it was the highest way to be able to acknowledge God. Nourisher, sustainer, protector, upholder, that is what Abba Father means. And Jesus didn't say it when he was high performing miracles. He didn't say it when he was on the mountain. He didn't say it when he was walking on water. He said it in the place where he was the most hurt, depressed, and emotional before he had to bear your sins and my sins on the cross. Think about it. When we are in our room by ourselves, there are some times where we are the most vulnerable and we are praying to him and we're like, God, I don't know if you can understand what I am feeling. I don't understand. Uh, I don't know if you can understand my rage or my anxiety. I don't understand uh, if you are with me right now. But if Jesus Christ, at his moment of most desperation, can call out to God the same way that you and I can call out to God, not only is the Father there, but he meets you there. And as it says with Jesus that the angels ministered to him, God's holy angels will minister to you and me as well. We get to call him Abba Father, and the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. We should know that we know that we know that we are his. There should be no doubt about it. And do you know how difficult that is? My name's Thomas. Everything in scripture is about, hey, he doubts. It's all about his name. Nobody mentions, I'm going to go off on a rant, forget my notes. I'm going to go off on a rant a little bit. Nobody talks about in the book of John how, how like Thomas says, let's go die and suffer with him. Everybody's like, no, your name is Thomas, you're a doubter. But we should not have doubt in God's privileges in our life. Not only does the Holy Spirit give us confidence, not only can we cry out, Abba, Father, but it says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are princes and princesses to the Most High King. Paul is talking about restoring the relationship that God and Adam and Eve had in Eden, and he uses the same word heir as the book of Hebrews does when acknowledging our forefathers. In Hebrews 11, starting in 8, we're actually going to start in verse 9. It says, By faith, Abraham made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to a city's which foundation and whose architect and builder was God. Abraham never saw the promise. He only saw Sarah and Isaac. That is the only product of his life. Yet he knew that when he laid his foundation in what would become Israel, that he had faith in God that God will accomplish it. And we get to see the results of his faith. His faith has produced a nation that looks like the stars in the sky, the sand in the seashore, and you and I can actually go to Israel, the promise that God gave Abraham. 
And not only has he given him a promise of a nation and of children, but the promise that those who believe like Abraham believed can also be the children of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think back to the story of Israel and of Moses. And the Bible talks about in the book of Exodus 24, if we can be able to put that photo up, that Moses is getting ready to ascend the mountain of the Lord on Mount Sinai. The people are at the bottom and they say, hey, you know, this God is a, this God is a little powerful. Moses, why don't you go up there by yourself? And if you get struck, I mean, you get struck. There's only one of us versus the million versus a couple million. But Moses goes up there, he ascends the mountain, and it says that after six days of smoke and of fire, that Moses is able to go in, and for the first time, we get a preview in Scripture of how a regular man can walk into the holy throne room of God and receive the words and receive the commandments. He was the preview, and that is why it says... In Psalm 24, 3 to 5, we actually read it this morning for prayer. It says, who can ascend the mountain of the Lord, who can stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from their Savior. And Moses at that point was the only one that got in. There were millions of people in the place of Israel, but only the prophet of God, only one that was clean enough can be able to walk into the holies of holies. But we got a savior. We got a savior in the name of Jesus Christ. And he has broken down the veil and the door so that you and I can be able to walk in boldly. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may, uh, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have privileges because of our adoption. Let me give you guys another illustration, not from scripture. My mama is watching this right now. Mama, I love you. Um, and during the holiday time, mama always used to make some extra money doing some desserts on the side. So mama would make cheesecake and, and chocolate mousse and flan and oh, all, the, all the lovely and amazing goodies. And I used to remember walking downstairs and smelling uh, vanilla extract and everything. But the best part about mama making cheesecake is that after she was done with her orders, she would sit a couple down and she'd look at my brother and my sister and myself and say, help yourself. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there's somebody greater than my mother who is telling me to help myself and for me to understand his privileges and know how sweet and good he is. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good and he is good to you and me. He gives us the ability to be free from our sin. He gives us the ability to drive out demons. He gives us the ability to speak to him in a holy language. That is the same God who met Jesus on the cross. We have access to him. <laughs> we are his heirs by adoption. And we know about the peace that comes with that adoption. 
and the privileges that come with that adoption. But there is a price that also comes with that adoption. Boaz, if you would come. It says in Romans 8, 17, now if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That sounds like good news. We just talked about that for a couple minutes, right? If, <laughs> if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. If is a conditional statement, ladies and gentlemen. We can only receive the perfect things of God when we follow the terms and conditions. And I'm really glad that the youth are in here because I know that you guys don't know about terms and conditions. You just press the update button on your smartphones and your tablets and really don't pay attention to it. But we can't do that with God's law. We cannot do that with his word. It is the only tangible way that we grow in our relationship with him. And if we say yes to being God's children, then we say yes to his terms and conditions. I mean, some of you guys have probably heard this phrase. I know I heard it a lot. You guys can say it with me if you want. If you live in my house, you're going to live by my rules. I want to be a child of God. I don't want to live in something, something else. I don't want to live in a shack. I don't want to live in a hole. I don't want to live in a mansion and have everything but not have my God. Some people say, but Pastor Thomas, I'm in. I've said yes to God's family. I am a child of God. Isn't that enough to get into heaven? Yeah, it's more than enough. But it says that once we become Christians, we are to follow Jesus' example and become more like him, not like who we are now. And it is always harder as a child to learn obedience and submission to our parents. I'm reminded of the words of George Washington in the play Hamilton. When Alexander tells him he is ready to die to leave a legacy for his country, Washington says, dying is easy, young man. Living is harder. The apostles knew that they were going to be sacrificed. Jesus made it plain and clear. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 7, Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Doesn't that sound good? Skip to verse 6 with me. In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though when refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. When that trumpet sounds, I want praise, I want honor, I want glory that I can give back to him. <laughs> that I can give back to him. We have missionaries that travel all over the world, folks, that your missions offering goes to, and their price is far greater than yours and mine. Some of them have to say that they're English teachers. Some of them have to say that they're there on a traveling visa for fear of persecution of their lives. We don't have to worry about paying the physical price. But I'm going to tell you right now, when we say yes to Jesus, we are going to sacrifice friends and we're going to sacrifice family members. And we are not going to recognize the person that we were. And that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad sacrifice. The person that I look at in the mirror now, I can tell you four years ago when I started this church, I saw a different man and I was comfortable with that young man. I loved that young man. I loved his personality. I loved his wit. I loved his charisma and his character. And I looked at that mirror and said, I don't want to change. I don't because I like me. And as God put me on the potter's wheel and he took off my depression and the need to be number one and my anxiety, he allowed me to become a better husband. I hope that I am. He allowed me to become a better father. I pray that I am. And I have no problem with that price anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thousands upon thousands of years ago, we lived in a perfect world. And because we wanted the autonomy to say yes and no to things, we messed up. We didn't allow dad. We didn't allow dad's rules to run us. But now he gives us the opportunity again. Say, so you want to know what? I want to be adopted. I want to be adopted into a family that is holy, that is righteous, that is powerful, that is filled with amazing grace, that doesn't recognize my sin, my hurts, and my downfalls, who doesn't recognize my hurts and my hangups, but who acknowledges me as his child, who is blameless, who is blemish-free, who is precious, in his eyes. Would you stand with me this morning? We are God's heirs through adoption. But what do you want to meet with God with today? Maybe it's about the peace of adoption. Are you ready to lay down your troubles and your control? so that you may be given in to the God of perfect peace. Maybe it's the privileges of adoption. Maybe some of you guys say, I'm a part of God's family, but I forgot my inheritance. 
I forgot the great promises of God. Maybe some of you have never known those promises. I hope that you say yes to him today because he's a great dad. And for some of you, it might be the price of adoption. Are you ready to say yes to a full relationship with our Father in heaven? Though you may suffer a little while. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now, thanking you for the opportunity to sit at your feet, to listen to your words by your spirit and your message. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around but this preacher. Some of you may say to me, Pastor Thomas, I have never known God as my heavenly father. If that is you, and you would like to make the decision to follow him today, raise your hand for me. Nobody looking around but this preacher. I see that hand. Thank you so much. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you so much. God bless you. I see that hand in the middle. You guys can put your hands down once I see it. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see that hand. Thank you so much. God bless you. There are four new children in God's family today. Hallelujah. 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 Maybe there are some of you today that say, Pastor Thomas, I need to come back to dad's house and I need to get right. Ushers, if you can be able to come forward. Deacons, if you're available, if you can be able to come forward, we're going to fill this altar because the price of saying yes is to be able to acknowledge it in front of people. So we're going to take a few minutes and sing a chorus. As we do, I invite you to come. Come get to know the best person you will ever meet. God bless you.
Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we thank you that we know, that we know, that we know, that we are your children. And thank you for those who have entered your kingdom this morning. I pray for those here and those who are online, Lord Jesus, that this message will be able to go out into our homes, with our friends, and with our families. May we be able to give them the good news that it doesn't matter what home that they came from, but you have a home for them. May we have that peace as we leave here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May he make his face shine upon you. And we will see you here next week. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. To rewatch today's sermon, you can search for it on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. And again, to keep up with all that's going on here at the church, you can go on lolag.org or ne-cc.org. Thank you again and have a great day.